they're, they're not here. Um, they, are, uh, they went to uh, Colorado camping. And so they're, they're doing their best to not get chased by bears. Now, I'm a city dweller myself, so I, I like it just fine here. Um, I, I uh, would love if you could uh, pray for my family. Um, we are, uh, uh, well, let's just say my kids are sick and my wife is sick, particularly mostly my wife right now. Um, Michaela, who's my oldest daughter, she's about five, probably like two and a half to three weeks ago, she caught something, and um, she took it with her, like they visited my parents, and, um, and she took that with her there. Um, I called my mom, like after they had come back, and uh, uh, the phone rang, and the person picked up and said hello, and I said, uh, I said, hi, dad, and, and she said, no, it's mom, you know, <laughs> and so... You know, her voice was so hoarse, I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, so that was courtesy of my daughter. But since then, my wife has gotten sick, and she's, she's just coughing a ton right now. And uh, so, like, in a minute, she'll cough a number of times. So please, uh, please keep her in, her in your prayers. I'm sure there's something. We're going to have to get some kind of prescription for whatever's going on there. But, um, you know, this month, we've been talking about uh, the theme of battle. You know, and uh, let me turn this up here or on here. Let's see. There we go. Um, and, you know, the goal behind this series is really to, to teach us, or in some cases to remind us, um, of the fact that, hey, you know, there's a lot of things in life that you've got to battle for, you know. Um, and, of course, the most important things usually have the hardest fight associated with them. And for us, the most important thing really is our spiritual walk. You know, whether it's trying to be pure or trying to be a man or woman of integrity um, or trying to serve God and build up his kingdom, we've got to understand this fundamental truth that we're going to have to battle. And today I, I want to talk about courage. Because when we lack courage, we avoid fighting the battles that we need to fight. You know, I've been a, a disciple of Jesus now for, for over two decades. And I think one of the things I find uncomfortable about, about the Christian life is that oftentimes living for Jesus means that you end up sticking out. I typically like standing out when that results in, like, praise. <laughs> but when standing out results in maybe disapproving, critical, unwelcome responses, you know, I, I would often rather just not stand out, you know, just blend in. The problem is following God has always required people to stand out in uncomfortable ways. You know, I, I find it easy to believe in Jesus. That's easy for me, but harder to be a Christian. And that's because Jesus expected those who would be his disciples to actually, actually live by his teachings. You know, and, um, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I know many of us in this room, we have answered the call. We have answered the call of Jesus in our lives to be his disciples. And we've gotten into the battle, and we felt our need for courage. You know, we can need courage in evangelism. I'm sure you've experienced this scenario. Um, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you know, you're, perhaps you, you've stepped out of your comfort zone, and you're, you're sharing your faith with a total stranger. You know, and uh, I don't know if you've ever encountered this where, where 
a person's response to you makes you feel like you're like something they stepped in, you know, like that gum under their shoe where they're like, you know, and, and in moments like that, you feel like, especially when you think about sharing your faith with somebody else, you're like, uh, what, how are they going to respond? You know, or maybe it's with a coworker of yours and you, you share, you seem to have a great conversation about God, but then later on you hear that they're talking behind your back about, you know, why is he always talking to me about God, you know? And, um, and so, you know, to follow Jesus, to evangelize requires courage because you wonder, hey, what kind of response am I going to get? We can need courage in, in, in our commitment to seeking his kingdom first, right? I remember um, early in my Christianity, you know, really wanting to live that out and making some decisions that, you know, to, to skip some family functions because, you know what, it, it, it conflicted with um, some important things that were happening at church. And my mom, let's just say she has this way of expressing disapproval with just a look. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and, and I remember the anticipation of those conversations, telling my parents, you know what, I'm, uh, actually I'm not going to be there. You know, and for moments like that, we need, we need courage. You know, we can need courage to come into the light, right? Openness and transparency about what's going on in our lives, about sin. It can be hard to be, to be open, about that stuff. I don't know if I really want to talk about this. You know, what are people going to think about me? Um, telling them the truth, you know, that can be a challenge. I remember, this is like 10 years ago, I was at church, and um, this was in Canada. I led the teen ministry in one of the churches there, and I was talking to one of the moms, right? And I don't remember what question she asked me, and I heard my mouth speaking, and I'm like, I'm lying right now as I'm saying what I'm saying. You know, and I walked away from the conversation going like, wow, I just totally, totally told a bold-faced lie. And then there's that thought, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I can't go back up to her and tell her I just lied. And so there's this battle like, wait, I got I to gotta be honest about this. And then there's the fear, well, what are they going to think of me, right? And so to live with integrity often requires courage. Obeying Jesus, I mean, requires courage. It's a big deal because without it, you and I will avoid the battles we need to fight if we want to be true followers of Jesus. So when it comes to your faith, where do you need courage? What battle are you avoiding? Maybe you need the courage to hold on to your integrity. Perhaps you've compromised the truth to meet maybe goals or sales targets at work or to avoid conflict on the job, or maybe it's at home with family or friends, right? Perhaps you need courage to hold on to your integrity. Perhaps you need courage in your battle against lust. The courage to be open about how things are really going. You know, there's, hey, how you doing? Good. How you really doing? You know, the courage to be real and open and honest in those situations. Maybe you need courage to speak the truth to someone else in love. And you're worried about, I don't know how they're going to take this. What if the conversation goes really badly? Maybe you need the, 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 the truth, to, the, the courage to say to someone, hey, you know, I feel like you and I, we, we kind of tend to gossip a lot, you know? It can take courage to say something that perhaps might not be received well. Maybe you need the courage to, to, to own up to your part in a relationship tear. The courage to settle matters quickly. Maybe you need the courage to initiate with others who are not like yourself or the courage 
to be financially faithful to God. Maybe you need the courage to follow Jesus. You've heard the call but are afraid, hey, what? what's this going to mean for my life? Maybe you need the courage to follow Jesus. You know, here's the million-dollar question as we think about, hey, where do I need courage? Here's the million-dollar question. How do we get courage? How do we get courage? If you want to live boldly and dynamically for Jesus, let's talk about how we get courage. We're going to look at one of the ways that God gives us courage, and we're going to go to the book of Ezra, okay? I'll put that up in a second here. But I wanted to give some background, um, because Israel as a nation was intended to have a special relationship with God. Um, God was going to use them as a model. He was going to have them be like his showroom, so to speak, of what, of what following God can do for you and look like. Um, and I don't know if you've ever shopped furniture. Perhaps you've gone to Ikea. Um, I'm a big Ikea fan, if you've never been there. And those of you who know what Ikea is all about, they're, like, it is the master showroom. You know, you, you walk through Ikea and it's just one setup after another setup after another setup. And let me tell you, it's very appealing. I feel like sometimes I want to live at Ikea, you know. And, and I remember going to, uh, years ago, I was walking through and I saw this bedroom like furniture set. And it was right around the time when I was moving out of my home, right? And I was like, I've got to have this. I've got to have all of this. You know, because they have all the accessorized pieces, right? And it's like, it's not going to look as good if I don't have all of it, right? And so it's like, okay, all right, all right, you know. And, but the display at Ikea made me want to have it. I liked what I saw and I wanted it for myself. God wanted to use Israel as a model to show the other nations what faithfulness to him produces. The problem is Israel wasn't very good at being faithful to God, right? It, it, it would be like going to Ikea and no one ever actually tended to the displays, you know? It would be like the, be, the, like the bed was never, wasn't made at Ikea. The trash was kind of strewn about the display. You know, the things were ripped there. That wouldn't sell anything, you know? God says uh, in one place that he, he actually felt that he had been disrespected and disregarded by other nations because of Israel. So he withdraws his protection from them slowly, and, and you know, things happen, the nation gets taken over, like, um, you know, Assyria comes in and it takes out the northern tribes. Later on, Babylon comes and they take out the, northern tri- the southern tribes. And, it, and essentially, Israel stops being a nation because God removes his protection from them. But then later, after a little while, he slowly begins to re-engage with them. And he begins to come back to Israel's corner. They're no longer a free nation, but at least now God was, with the nations that were over them, God was starting to favorably dispose them for Israel's favor. You know, and, um, and so they have the opportunity, to, who, for those who had been displaced, they have an opportunity to actually come back to Jerusalem. They've got the opportunity to rebuild the temple. And God does all this, and some of the some of the, um, um, the Israelite men, as they come back, they started taking foreign wives. And so it's like, okay, well, what's the problem with that? What's the problem if I marry someone from France? What's the problem if I, you know? For them, that was a big issue. Because tied into all of that was, was, was faith and religion, okay? And this was a significant thing that had been actually a stumbling block 
for Israel at that time, leading up to this. It's one of the things that led them to be so unfaithful to God is because oftentimes, as they intermarried with the other uh, cultures around them, they would, they would adopt the religious practices of those nations. And, 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 and sometimes they would try to like synchronize it with their worship of God. Other times they would just flat out replace God. You know, and, um, and so Israel always was always having this problem. And here they were, they were about to get back into it. The faithful among them became very discouraged by this. And one of them is a priest by the name of Ezra. And so that's where we're going to pick it up in Ezra chapter 10. He's heard the news. He's been discouraged for some time. In Ezra chapter 10, a guy comes to him to talk to him about it. It says, beginning in verse 2, Then Shekinah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there is still hope for Israel. Now, let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children. Now, when you hear that, that sounds drastic. I mean, that's a radical solution. That might even offend some of us as we sit here and we listen to this. Here's the thing. When you read on the rest of the chapter, it offended some of the people there too then. Those who supported it, though, didn't want to make the mistakes of the past. And so they wanted to be sure that they curbed this and they put an end to it. And he continues, he says here, hey, let's send them away in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. And he says, rise up. This matter is in your hands. Okay. Thank you. You know, he tells Ezra, no, you need to rise up and you need to deal with it. Can you imagine that conversation? You got to go to someone, several someones, and tell them, uh, yeah, you need to send your wife and kids away. I would feel like I need a little bit of courage, okay? That's going to be a tough conversation any way you slice it. But here's what he goes on to say. He says, rise up, this matters in your hands. We will support you. This is key. This is one of the ways we get courage. He says, we will support you, so take courage and do it. And here's what happens. So Ezra rose up. He said, rise up, and Ezra rose up. He says, we will support you, take courage. So Ezra rose up and put the leading priests and Levites in all Israel under oath to do what had been suggested, and they took the oath. What's one of the ways we get courage? We get courage from people. Um, you know, I, I, one of the areas in my life where I felt like, uh, you know, I need courage in has been in my evangelism. You know, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to go out with Ira Butler. Where's Ira? Where are you? I don't know if you've ever gone and shared your faith with Ira. I'm going to tell you it's an experience, okay? I've been a disciple for... 22 years, I've shared my faith lots of times with lots of different people, um, but I can tell you, I've never experienced anything like that, you know, and uh, I was like, wow, this is what I need to be more like, you know, to see the example um, that he was demonstrating as we were doing so, um, but it's great, it's, 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 it's amazing though how much more courage you have when you're with someone, right? 
how much more courage you have when you're not by yourself, right? And so one of the ways that we get courage is from people. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, when he sent out the 12, he sent them two by two, right? When he sent out the 72, he sent them two by two. When you read in the early chapters of Acts, you read about Peter and John being together, you know, um, in, in, in the Old Testament, um, you know, it talks about how David was helped to find strength in the Lord by his friend Jonathan. So I want to ask you, who is your Peter? Who's your John? Right? Who are your Jonathans? Who are the people that strengthen you when you need courage? You know, one of the ways that God gives us courage is through the support and the encouragement of other people. And we need that. So, Let's talk about another way that God gives us courage. 2 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. It says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Odin. Now, whenever it says the Spirit of God came on someone, it means that whatever happens next is a God thing. Okay? Whatever happens next is a God thing. And so let's continue on. It says, He went out to meet Asa. Now, Asa... It was one of the kings of Israel, okay? He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's both encouraging and sobering. He goes on to say, For a long time, Israel was without the true God. Okay, what's he talking about? This is a reference to the time, like if you, if you go through the Bible, there's a book called Judges, right? And that was a period of time in Israel's history that was like perhaps one of the worst times in their history. You know, and all sorts of things were happening because they were frequently losing sight of God, right? And he says that for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. They completely lost it. They didn't even have it, you know? But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and, sh- and, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work. What's he talking about? Well, Asa had... Israel was starting to slide back in that direction again. Had been for a number number of decades. And Asa had been starting to make some reforms to really strengthen the nation spiritually. And he says, do not give up for your work will be rewarded. This is key. This is one of the ways we get courage. He goes on. When Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet. He took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. He took courage, and he continued what he'd been doing. What's another way we get courage? We get courage from God's promises. This man, this prophet, with the Spirit of God, told Asa 
a message from God. He says, hey, your work is going to be rewarded. You know, and Asa was encouraged by that. We get courage from the promises of God. My daughter, um, my oldest, I've got two. She's, my oldest is five and my youngest is two, or three rather. And it, it was interesting. This was a few weeks ago. Um, sometimes they make a big deal about what plates they get, right? And, um, and I told Michaela, who's the oldest, I said, honey, you're going to get the blue plate, right? And somehow the blue plate is like very popular. So I told her she's going to get the blue plate. And so she was excited. My three-year-old turned to her and she said, you're not going to get blue plate. <laughs> you're not getting, blue. you know, and, 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 and she kept saying that. And, and her personality, she likes to antagonize Michaela a little bit. And, and she kept saying that. And Michaela was getting all frustrated, right? And she starts like, she, she starts getting like, like, you know, this is happening. And she's like, the blue plate. And I'm looking at this going, I told you, you're going to get the blue plate. Why are you listening to a three-year-old? I just, I just made you a promise. It's, it's funny. She like completely lost sight of the fact that I told her she was going to get the blue plate. You know, there's so many promises that God has made. And we're very quick to lose sight of them. We lose sight of them maybe because our society says, oh, ah, that, that doesn't work. We, we lose sight of them maybe because someone says or does something, and we focus on that and we forget God's promises. Here... Here are some things that God has promised. God has promised that no one who has left home, fields, family, for his sake will fail to receive even more in this life. In this life. And then, of course, there's eternal life, he says. Oh, yeah, and also eternal life. Well, that's a small problem. No, that's huge. Jesus says that if you seek his kingdom first, okay, and this is after he's listed all the things that people get so stressed out about, so anxious about, and make the priority in life. He says, hey, if you seek my kingdom first and make that first priority, all these things, all those things will be taken care of as well. You know, Peter described the promises of God as, he says that they're very great and they're precious promises. Very great and precious promises. And we find them in the Bible. Another way that God gives us courage is through his very great and precious promises. Let's look at one last way that God gives us courage. We're going to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. On their release, this is talking about the apostles. And, um, you know, these guys are courageous men and women. Um, These are the ones who... Because of them, we know about Jesus today. And, but as they were preaching the message, uh, the people they preached to, the religious leaders of the day, were not cool with what they were doing. And, um, and so um, they get arrested, and they're threatened, and, um, and then they're released. And we're picking it up at that point here. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer 
to God. And this is key. This is one of the ways we get courage. It goes on to say, Sovereign Lord, they said, this is their prayer, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against, to, against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What's another way that we get courage? We get courage from prayer. Um, I remember we had, uh, this, is, this is probably like my freshman or sophomore year of college. And I was in the, part of the campus ministry. And we had, um, someone came up with the idea, let's have a radical week for God, you know. And we started like the like a bold week. Let's do some bold and radical things, okay? And people were do- doing all sorts of different things. And I remember um, one of the things I decided to do was I was gonna I was gonna invite my entire class, okay? Now this was I was in a lecture hall with 500 people, okay? And I'd been thinking about this for days. And let me just tell you, during that radical week, I prayed more. In my life at the time than I had ever, you know, and I still, I remember being in that, in that lecture hall and my plan was, okay, at the end of class and I, I figured out where would be the best spot to stand and all that type of stuff. With every step, I'm like, you know, my legs are shaking, you know, and, um, and I just remember just, I was like, just praying for boldness and, 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 and standing up and saying, hey, excuse me, I just want to, you know, and um, I don't even remember what I said, you know. And, uh, and invited everyone to, 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 the, to the Bible talk. Now, here's the thing that was interesting. Um, uh, one of the things I asked, I says, hey, does anyone here believe in God? And this is a room of 500 people. Three hands went up, okay? Three hands went up. Now, is it because only three people in that room believed in God? No. No. But because everyone was, wor- well, whoa, what would people think? If I, you know? And, and so I understand how we can lack courage. And honestly, the only reason I was able to do that was because I've been praying a lot, God, please give me some courage, you know? And so one of the ways that we get courage is through prayer, but not just our own prayers, but also the prayers of others, right? Those guys were all together praying for boldness. And it says the place was shaken. You know, Paul is always through his letters, he's always writing and he's saying, hey, pray for me that I can declare the message fearlessly as I should, you know? So another way that God gives us courage is in response to prayer. So where do you need courage? Where do you need courage in order to fight the battles that God wants you to fight? Where do you need courage to obey Jesus? God gives courage. God gives courage through people. He gives courage through his promises. And he gives courage through prayer. 
Maybe the courage you need can be found in the relationships around you. The people that God has already put in your life. Maybe the courage you need can be found by leaning on God's great and precious promises. By getting into the scriptures and really understanding the things that God has promised to you. And not listening to anything else but the promises of God. Maybe the courage you need can be found through prayer. You know, there's a lot in the Bible that is often talking about do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. One of the crazy things that throws me off sometimes is in Revelation, one of the things that it says is a sin. It talks about cowardice. Cowardice. And it's like, wow. It's like, wait, wait. How could being afraid be a sin? You know? But I believe it has to do with the fact that there's so many ways through which God gives us courage. Whether through our relationships, the people around us, whether through his great and precious promises, or through prayer. You know, I want to make a special uh, mention here. See, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be a disciple of Jesus in order to receive courage from people. Okay? But the other two. To receive courage from his promises and courage from prayer, well, you definitely have to be in a relationship with God. Because, and I want to invite you, if you have never been encouraged by the promises of God to get into the scriptures and find out what are the promises that God has made for me. And if you've never been encouraged and given, if you've never been given courage by prayer, I want to invite you to learn how to pray, to learn how to pray, and so that you too can be built up in your courage to fight the battles that you need to fight in your life, the battles that Jesus wants you to fight. We can be courageous. We can, be, we can have the courage that we see when we read about the first century church. We can have that kind of courage. And it comes through people. It comes through God's promises. And it comes through prayer. That's our lesson here. We're going to pray. And after that, I'm going to invite some men up to the stage. And we're going to have a baptism. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Um, Lord, give us the courage that we need to fight the battles, Lord, that we need to fight. Father, you know the heart of every man and woman here. You know the need of every man and woman here. And I pray that you, Father, with your full knowledge, will supply our needs. That if it's relationships that we need, that you'll provide it. That if it's conviction in your promises, that you, Father, will help us to get so. And Father, if, it is, is, if it's through prayer, that you will put it on our hearts to pray so much more about the areas that we feel like we lack courage. God, please bless the rest of our day. Please bless our week. And please, Father, nourish and build up our relationship with you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.